the book of Revelation is easy to find. It is right between the book of Jude and your everlasting future. The last book in your New Testament. Let's stand for the read of God's Word, chapter 21. We're going to read the first eight verses. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and I will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I want to use for a subject this morning an introduction to the new world. You may be seated. In this chapter 21, the first eight verses gives us an introduction to a new earth, a new heaven that God is going to create. I'll ask a couple of questions. How did this planet get here that we live on today? In the, in the beginning, God created. God made this earth in which we live on today. How did you get here? You were born. You were born because of the miracle birthing power of God Almighty. You were conceived, brought forth by the hand of God in a very wonderful, majestic way called being born into the world. Now, would you agree that planet Earth is material? Land mass, trees, and grass. Would you agree that also planet Earth is spiritual? Yeah, I'm spiritual. Now, don't look at my land mass. But this spiritual guy lives inside of this land mass. No remarks out of you today. But the world is spiritual. There's fear, there's anger, there's hate, which is all negative spirits. There are demon spirits. There are angels that visit us. There's the spirit of man. There's the spirit of God. So this creation is not only material, but also spiritual. 
Now I want you to hang on that, hang on to that just a little bit because God says, I'm going to create or make a new heaven and a new earth. In other words, this place we live today, one day will cease to be. In fact, Jesus Christ said in Matthew 24, verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away. Now, most of you know that verse by, but my words shall not pass away. But let's just look at the first phrase. Matthew 24, verse 35, heaven and earth shall what? Pass away. We read in the 19th chapter at the great white throne judgment that heaven and earth fled away. We read in 1 Peter chapter 3 that the earth and the heavens exploded with fervent heat and the earth dissolved and melted away. We read in the scriptures where this earth will literally be disintegrated and we will be suspended in the mind, the heart, the keeping of God. Well, God makes a new heaven and a new earth. This new heaven and new earth will both be spiritual and material. The material won't be like the material we know today, but nonetheless, it will be a literal earth, a literal planet, a literal city, a literal heaven. Heaven is not floating around in flower sacks up in heaven trying to sprout wings. Heaven is not just some state of mind somewhere out in outer space. Heaven is a place. God sits on a literal throne. Heaven is a place where God dwells. And one day God will create a new heaven and a new earth, and it will be a literal place. Are you following me? Anyone that tries to spiritualize all of this. Now, there are preachers that tried to spiritualize the new city of Jerusalem. And they said, well, it's just a picture of the church. It's all spiritualized. I'm here to tell you there'll be a literal city come down out of heaven as a bride adorned for a husband. Jesus spoke of it in John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. So we know in chapter 21 and 22 of Revelation that John saw a city coming down out of heaven, beautiful, like a bride adorned for her husband. We're gonna talk about that city probably next Sunday morning. But I wanna talk about the new world order. A lot of talk about a new world order. The only problem is the people that's trying to make a new world order is trying to make it out of an old world. The only way to have a new world order is to have a new world. And only God can create a new world. Only God can remove the ungodly. Only God can take care of the wickedness. Only God can purge and melt the heavens with fervent heat purge out the germs, purge out the diseases, purge out the demons, put the false prophet and the beast in the lake of fire, put the devil in the lake of fire, put all the demons in their place, judge the ungodly, put them away, and begin with a new heaven and a new earth. Only God can do that. And that's truly gonna be a new world order. Now. I want you to notice in Isaiah chapter 65, Isaiah spoke of this new world. 
Those old prophets were pretty spiritual, wasn't they? They could hear from God in incredible ways. Verse 17, by the way, Isaiah is the one who preached the birth of Jesus being he would come as a virgin, through a virgin. And Isaiah is the one that talked about um, how Jesus would be crucified and how Jesus would come and he would rule all nations with the rod of iron. Isaiah is the one that talked about Jesus Christ would come. He would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah is the one that talked about the fact that when Jesus Christ comes, the government should be upon his shoulders, speaking of the millennial reign and the reign of Christ, who counselor, almighty God. Uh, Isaiah shared all those things. But notice what Isaiah said. He shoots over into our future. Isaiah goes way into our future. And here's what he says. For behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth. The former shall be remembered, shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. But be ye glad and rejoice for in, uh, rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a jo- rejoicing and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her nor the voice of crying. Notice that Isaiah literally went ahead in our future and said there's coming a new heaven and a new earth. Now, we're looking at a new heaven and a new earth. Remember I told you if you think it's just spiritual, remember that the world we live in now is also spiritual and material. And when God creates a new heaven and a new earth, it also will be for a lack of understanding material, but not like we know of material. And it will be a substance, but not like we know of substance. And it will be extremely spiritual. A new heaven and a new earth. This new heaven and new earth is an incredible place. In fact, it's so incredible that John found it necessary to talk about what was not going to be there than what was going to be there. John's mind was absolutely, John the Revelator's mind was absolutely blown away. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has ready and preserved and, and reserved for you and I. And so, so John tried, and because he tried to express, we got a book of Revelation that sometimes we have to really pray and seek the Lord to understand its true meaning. Now, I want you to understand that this world will pass away as Jesus Christ said. Heaven and earth shall pass away. That's just plain, that's just the way it is. Heaven and earth shall pass away. We know that 1 Peter chapter 3, it will melt away. God will burn it. It will be literally consumed with fire. Demons will be put in the fire. The devil will be put in the fire. Wickedness will be put in the fire. All those that are not born again will be put in the fire. Everything will be removed. So no trace of any smut, dirt, or wicked spirits will be in this new heaven and this new earth. Woo! No more germs. No more uh, smut. No more dirty defilement. No more greed. No more wickedness will be in this new heaven and this new earth. Boy, that ought to make you shout. Well, you know, if I want, you know, how many believe that this new earth and new heaven sounds good? Would you agree it sounds good? 
It sounds so good that I want to go. It sounds so good that I want to make sure that I go. So I have to look back, how did I get where I'm at now? I'm on planet Earth. God made this planet. It's material, it's spiritual. God came here in His Son, Jesus Christ. How did I get here before? I got here through being born into this planet. I was born here. That makes me an earthling. I am born again. That makes me a Christian. Now, if I'm going to get off this planet alive, I've got to be more than just born here. I've got to be born from above there. I've got to be born again. And if I'm born again, then the second death has no power over me. The lake of fire, second death has no power over me because I've been born again. So the only way to get from this world into the new earth and the new heaven is to be born again, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, changed by the power of God, and resurrected in the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's the only way I can get to the new earth. Wow, it's amazing. So I'm going to share some simple things with you, and then I'm going to share some things that will make you think, okay, I need to go study my Bible some more. In fact, I say things that make me want to go study my Bible some more. The middle of the Bible is a breathing, live Word of God. And so I'm just giving an introduction of the new world order or new world. Now, the first thing I want to point out is this will be a world without a sea, a world with no more sea, no oceans. It'd be a world that, uh, in fact, the ocean mass of planet Earth is about 74, 75%. The other is just small land mass. Most of the Earth is water. Most of your body is water. Most of your blood is water. Everything is mostly water on the earth except for its solid substance, such as the ground and rock, etc., etc. But the earth is covered with 74, 75% water. That only leaves about a 25%, 26% landmass. And we live on the landmass. Some folks would like to live on the water, and, uh, and those who love the sea or love the ocean. And I like to go down to the ocean, lay out there on the sand and get a suntan. You're not going to do that in the new world because there won't be no ocean to go down to the seashore and lay out and get a, a suntan. So, well, can't we still get a suntan? The Bible says there'll be no need for the moon or the sun. That the Lamb of God will be the light of the world, will be the light of the new earth and the light of the city. For the Lamb of God will be in the city. So I guess if you're going to get a suntan, you'll have to get a S-O-N, Jesus tan. Woo! Amen? And so when you look about the sea, storms, and of course, most of our oxygen level comes from the oceans, by the plankton. And by the plankton, there's most of the oxygen level is through the See, when I was growing up on, uh, in school, they explained to me that the, o- the earth could not exist nor could life exist without the ocean. That everything works together in harmony to produce a delicate balance of life on planet earth. Yet 
John said this new earth will have no ocean, no sea, meaning that the life must come from some other source. Oxygen, if there is oxygen, I would assume there will be oxygen. I don't know what kind of oxygen, but I will. And you say, well, it'll just be spirit. Well, once again, we, we live in a planet that's spirit and land mass. Oxygen is mostly water. And I'm not saying that in the, in the new heaven there won't be water. There will be water, but it won't be oceans. It will be lakes and rivers and streams. In fact, it will all come from the new city, Jerusalem. All the water will come from the throne of God. It's called the pure river of life. And it will flow from the throne room of God out of the holy city, Jerusalem. In fact, the holy city, Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, and I'm not going to get into much of that today, but the holy city, Jerusalem, will be the life source of the planet. The holy city, Jerusalem, will actually be the recycling, the uh, preserving, the healing, the blessing, the renewing, the everlasting existence of planet earth in the new heaven and the new earth. Jerusalem will be, the lamb will be the earth's light. I will assume that the lamb will, the lamb who is Jesus, taking the place of the sun, I will assume that he will regulate the temperature. And someone's sitting in this room right now saying, well, bless God, he ain't now. It's hot in here. And it's cold out there. But I'm sure that the planet will be regulated at a certain temperature year-round in the new earth. Now, someone say, well, who lives in the holy city of Jerusalem? Well, I'm convinced that the holy city of Jerusalem is not just going to be an apartment complex jam-packed full of born-again Christians. I believe there'll be merchants there. I believe there'll be many things in this city. The, uh, yes, many people will live in that city. Now, I'm not going to go there. We'll go there next Sunday morning. But I, I want to just point out that there'll be no more sea, no more storms, no more um, tsunamis, no more earthquakes, no more devastation, no more uh, starvation, no more. It'll be a brand new world. Number two, the world it will be a world with life-giving, with a life-giving city. Notice in verse 2, And I, John, saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Okay, I am going to go there a little bit on this city. A world with a life-giving city. In other words, the city is the very thing that gives life. You say, will there be a sun and a moon? I don't know. It says I have no need for it. But sometimes I got some things in my life I have no need for, but they're there. So, you know, I don't know whether we, it will be there or not. The sun may not be there, but it didn't have to be. The moon, the moon may be there, it may not be, but it doesn't have to be because Jesus will be the light in the, in the nighttime. He'll be the light in the daytime. There'll be no night there. Jesus Christ will be the light, the lamb, the light of that city. And that city will be the light of the earth. That city will produce water to the earth. That city will produce produce to the earth. The question would be, who lives in the city? Now, I've always felt in my heart that the church will be the one that will live in the city. Now, some would argue that because I understand the city is for everyone. 
I know Abraham who looked for a city which had foundations, who builder and maker is God. Abraham was the father of the Jews, but he's also the father of the Gentiles. We've been grafted in as a church because of Abraham. And through Abraham, we received the promised son who was not Isaac, but actually Jesus Christ, who brought us and birthed us in. And so uh, when we think about it, I guess the thing that throws me is the city's coming down as a bride adorned for a husband. Well, the bride of the husband, the bride of Jesus, is the church. The bride of Christ is the church. Nowhere in the Old Testament does it say the Old Testament is the bride of Christ. Nowhere in the Old Testament does it say the church is, you know, that the, that the Old Testament is the bride of God. In fact, the Old Testament saints were the, was the wife of God. The wife of God. God gave Abraham material promises, the promised land. But God gave those of us that have been grafted into the true olive tree through Abraham, God give us spiritual promises and promises in heavenly places. So the church has a spiritual promise. We receive physical promise as well, but the Jews were offered a material promise. I guess the question I would ask is this, if there's gonna be a new heaven and a new earth, which there is, and there's gonna be a, a new earth, pray tell me who's gonna live there. We know in the 22nd chapter, all the nations will come to the city of Jerusalem to do business at the 12 gates of the holy city. So I don't know whether there'll be a mixture of different ones that live on planet earth, or whether it will be a Jewish promise, I don't know, but I know this. God has always promised the Old Testament saints earthly promises, material promises, landmass, blessings, and he has promised this church heavenly blessings in heavenly places. And so we need to understand, though maybe there'll be others that will live in the holy city of Jerusalem other than the church, I guess, I guess what throws me is it says in verse 2 that the holy city is coming down as a bride to know him for a husband. So the only way I can get away from the fact that the church isn't going to live there is this. If he's just given a description of the holy city, Jerusalem, and he's just saying it's as beautiful as a bride. Now, if it's just a description, then I'm wrong in the assumption that it, the church will be the only ones living there. If it's just a description. But if it's a wedding gift to the bride, the church, then the church will have control of that city. Abraham, you say, well, what about the, the 12 gates of pearl with the names of the tribes on them? Uh, three in the north, three in the south, three in the east, three in the west. As they lined up in, well, that's true. The names of the, the Old Testament tribes will be on each name on a gate, 12 gates on each corner of the city. But we also have to understand the foundation was the names of the apostles. We got we to remove Judas because he's not going to be written on one of the foundations of the city of Jerusalem. So most people think, well, that's probably Apostle Paul. If it's not a Paul, if it's not Apostle Paul, it's uh, Matthias, the one that took 
Judas's place. But the 12 apostles will be on those 12 tribes of, of Jerusalem. Now, I already said enough to get you fuming and wondering, but let me just say that this city will be giving life to planet Earth because a lamb will be there and he will distribute the light, the water. If you can picture this, the holy city of Jerusalem, I don't think it's going to sit on the earth. I think it's going to hover above it. The holy city of Jerusalem is 1,500 miles in a cube, 1,500 miles east, 1,500 miles west, east and west, 1,500 miles north and south, and 1,500 miles straight down and 1,500 miles straight up, a cube. It's one big city. Did you know that's over half the size of the United States on ground level? That's big. That's almost the size of the moon. So I'm assuming that this, and it is just an assumption, but I'm assuming that this new city of Jerusalem will hover over the planet like a, great, like a great supernatural satellite distributing the blessing to planet Earth, distributing life to planet Earth. Or maybe I ought to reverse that and say, no, 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 the, the holy city of Jerusalem, it's the, it's, it's the planet Earth that's the satellite uh, yielding to the holy city. I don't know which way it'll be, but I know this, if the holy city's not there, the earth ain't gonna survive. So God is gonna make a new heaven and a new earth. It'll be a world with life, uh, uh, it'll be a world with pure God. How many like to be in a world that's just pure God? Everything's just pure God. Look at verse three. Verse three says, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. It's gonna be a place of just pure God. I love that phrase, pure God. Amen? Pure God. That's what the new earth and the new heaven's gonna have. Pure God. Just God. And if there's pure God, there's no room for impurity, anything. Pure God. Isn't that beautiful? It'll be a world with only life and joy. A world with only life and joy. This is the new heaven and new earth. Let me bring out some things. Someone would ask, well, what will our bodies be like? Well, they'll be like a glorified, resurrected Jesus, what they'll be like. But anyway, uh, that's a very shallow definition, but the truth is we will have uh, bodies likened unto Jesus Christ. The scripture says we will, and they'll be glorified. How old will we be? How old? In heaven, you say, well, there's no time in heaven. Well, wait a minute. Chapter 22 says the tree of life yields each month. So there's got to be some type of timetry there, if timetry is a word. And so the trees yield their leaves for the healing of the nations. Chapter 22, it talks about the tree of life yielding fruit, a different kind of fruit each month. So that, that tells me there's a little bit of time. So how old will we be? And of course, I realize that that's, that's a misnomer 
we won't be old because we don't get old and we don't digress or aggress any direction. We, but God's got to build us somewhere in the place where we will be a certain stature. Now, the Jewish people believe that Adam, when he was created, was 30 years old. They still believe that today. I, and I realize this is just a generic term, universal thought that it's going to be 30 years old. We know that, that uh, Jesus started his ministry at 30 years old. We know that King David started his kingship at 30 years old. We know that Saul became king at 30 years old. See? So we got, got a consistency. In the fourth chapter, I wrote it down here. Let me look here. I think it's the fourth chapter of Numbers or Deuteronomy. Numbers chapter 4 in the fourth chapter. The priests began their priestly work at 30 years old. They were instructed to retire or not be priests at 50 years old. Well, that's true. I'm 19 years past retirement. So, you know, you stop and think about maybe they're, you know, the universal age somewhere in there. Now, that sounds good to people that's 70, 80 years old. 30 again? <laughs> you betcha. That sounds pretty good to an 80-year-old, 90-year-old. Wow, 30 years old, perfect health. Sounds good to me. That sounds good to an old-timer. But to a young timer, if you're 15 or 16 years old, that's a bummer. Hello? But let me say this. I'm not saying that everybody's going to be 30 years old, but I am saying that we will be ageless, we will be perfect, and God will make us as a perfect state. Someone would say, well, what about children? What about children? Now, this it's silent in the scriptures. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, observe and, and think a little bit. I love children. How many love children? They're so precious. They're so much better than adults. Mm, they're awesome. I love children. And babies, after they get diaper broken, I love them. I love children. Children are precious. And so we ask the question, Will they be babies in heaven? Will they, when we get there, will they just be babies in heaven? Or will they be 30 years old? I don't know. But wouldn't it be wonderful if God choose, if he was to choose to let these young children grow up to 30 and then stop growing? We could watch them grow up in heaven to an age of 30 and maybe stop growing. You say, well, I thought you said in the millennium there'll be babies that will be tested, and I think there will. I think it's very clear that babies that are born in the millennium, babies that come along, that were born during the tribulation, still alive when Jesus returned, they will be tested, and the devil will be loose for a short season, and they'll have to choose. It's possible that all babies will grow up in the millennium in order to decide whether or not they're going to be born again whether or not they're going to receive Jesus Christ. They don't necessarily get a free pass to heaven because they die at two or three years old. Now, I'm speculating. You say, well, how do you know that babies will go in the rapture? Well, that's a good one. 1 Corinthians 7, 14. 
Let's look at 1 Corinthians 7, 14. And 1 Corinthians 7, 14, a lot of Corinth talks about the coming of the Lord, about the things of the Lord, the sanctification, how we have a relationship with our master, Jesus Christ. Verse 14, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the believing wife. What that means is an unbelieving husband, God has promised to draw them, convict them through the, un, through, uh, through the believing wife. If that wife will live such a life that she should live, God will use that Christian life to draw her unbelieving husband to be saved. In other words, they'll be set apart to be saved. Then it says, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Same, same ordeal. The unbelieving um, wife is sanctified by the husband. In other words, if the husband will live right, live for God, honor God, then the wife will have an opportunity, sanctified means set apart, in which God will set them apart to bring them to Christ. They still have to be born again. The believing wife doesn't save the unbelieving husband. The believing husband doesn't save the unbelieving wife. But their children, if one born-again believer, one believer in a family with children, if the rapture takes place, the child will go up. If, one, if, if mom and dad are saved and the young children that are, I'm talking about young, talking about toddlers that know, know the difference between right and wrong, they'll go up to be with their parents in the rapture. If one person in the home, the wife or the husband, has young children that's not at the age of accountability, the rapture takes place, they will go up with mama who is a believer or daddy who is a believer. But if the mother and father are both unbelievers, the child will stay. So that's unfair. Life's unfair. Get over it. Understand life's unfair. And everybody's going to be given the opportunity to be born again. And once I, and here's what I told you. You're not going to get off of this planet alive. You've got to come to Jesus Christ. You got here by being born. And you're going to get into the next earth and the new heaven and the new earth by being born again. You're not going to get into the new heaven without being born again. You're going to be purchased and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You're going to be changed. You're going to be born again and brought into the kingdom of God by being born again. Is this helping anybody? I hope this is helping you because when I look at it, it helps me a great deal because I understand children are not going to be abandoned even at the rapture because it says right here in verse 14, but now are they holy and holy children will go to be with God. That don't mean they're born again. It just means they're holy. They're in an innocent state. Now, someone would ask the question, well, um, how do I make sure that I'm born again? The Bible says that the lake of fire is the second death. And we're told that if we don't live for God, that if we find ourselves without Christ, verse 14 of chapter 20, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So the second death is the, the first birth is here on earth. The second birth is here on earth being born again, purchased by the blood of the Lamb, resurrected, and to be presented at the first resurrection to be a child of God. So we know that we go to the new earth and new heaven by being a child of God. Isn't that good? 
But people that are not children of God, they will be cast into the lake of fire at the great white throne judgment and cast in the lake of fire, and it's called the second death. So if you're born twice on earth, born by mom and daddy, born again by the Spirit of God, you will only die once physically, and you might beat that in the rapture. But if you're not born again, and you're only born once, you're going to die twice because you're going to go to the lake of fire, which is the second death. Hope you understand what I'm saying. Uh, I know when people try to spiritualize everything, we get really mixed up, and we start coming up with really weird interpretations. Notice the scripture says that it will be a new heaven and a new earth. Now hear me and hear me out. A new heaven and a new earth is a place where there'll be life and joy. Look at verse four and five, chapter 21. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Wow. That don't mean God's going to get you down and scrub the tears off your face. It means God's going to take a Holy Ghost handkerchief and going to gently dab the tears off your eyes. And you're going to enjoy the forgiveness and the blessing of the God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more crying, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are all passed away. And he said... Uh, he that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write these things, for they are true and faithful. Verse 6 and 7 talks about he is the Alpha and the Omega. So we look at this. John is explaining the new earth and the new heaven by negatives. He said, No more tears. No more pain. No more death. No more hell. No more destruction. No more storms. No more sea. No more... Uh, iniquity, no more smut, no more unbelief, nothing. It'll be pure, no more. Hell will be destroyed. Death will be destroyed. Sickness will be destroyed. Pain will be destroyed. It will be a new world order, a new earth in which there is no graveyards, there is no fire trucks, there is no ambulances, and there are no hospitals. A world that's without sickness and disease, a world that's pure God. That's what we're talking about. Amen. Hello. I have people ask me this question. Well, what about, how can I be happy in heaven? How can God remove, you know, there's no more fear, no more pain, no more grave, no more wickedness, no more sin. And someone would ask the question, well, how could I be happy in heaven if I knew my loved ones were not there? Now, someone said there's three surprises when you get to heaven. Number one, that person you thought for sure would be there is not there. Number two, that person that you thought for sure wouldn't be there is there. And the third surprise is you're there. You made it. Now, let's look at this just for a minute. How can I be happy if I know that I have a loved one in hell? Uh, you know, and it, it's not hell here. It's the lake of fire. Because hell's destroyed. Lake of fire is created. We'll be talking about that on Wednesday nights. But uh, how can I be happy knowing that I've got a sibling in hell? How can I be happy knowing I've got a child in hell? You know, there's beauty about not remembering things. How many, how many, would you, how many of you would agree that you would be much happier if you could forget a few things? See, that memory vault in your mind, 
If, if that memory was removed, you could be happy all the time. There's bad memories. God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. He'll, he'll remove the bad memories. They'll be gone. Now, the question would be, well, won't I still know each other in heaven? Sure you will. You know, I had nine siblings, and I know them all. I grew up with those nine, or actually ten siblings. I'm the number six, ten siblings. And I knew their names. Guy, and let's see if I can go through it. Guy and David and Chuck, Charles Leslie and Janet and uh, Mary and Tim and Galen and John and Mark. Did I get them all? Galen? Steve, that, how could I forget him? Now, see there? But uh, my two sisters, Janet and Mary, I, I know them. But I don't know any of the other children that wasn't born. Now, I know my dad had more than 11 children in him. That's why it was a sin in the Old Testament to spill your seed on the ground. See, God doesn't just see the children that you have. He sees the children of the loins. That takes an abortion under a whole new light. So I don't know any of the children that mom and dad didn't have. I only know the children that mom and dad did have. I only know my brothers and sisters that were born. And that will be the same in the new heaven and new earth. You'll only know those brothers and sisters that were born again. That's beautiful, isn't it? You think about that. You, you just think about that. That is beautiful. I only know them that have been born again. You say, well, what about them that die and they go to the lake of fire and are cast out? Well, the Scripture is very clear through the prophets and through the Scriptures that their names will be forgotten, that their life will be forgotten. Their life, their names will be forgotten. And hell is not only a place of torment, Torment, hell is a place of forgottenness, abandonment. No one will know you're there. They may know you're there now, but no one will know you're there. Once we go to heaven, it is a new heaven and a new earth, and there is no place for sadness, sorrow. No one will know you're there. Now that makes, you know, that's one reason not to go to hell. Who wants to go to hell and be forgotten? On the top of it, pain and sorrow and agony forever and ever and ever in the lake of fire. The last place I was, the last time I was in a place this quiet, it was at a dentist waiting room. My last point I want to point out is this will be a new world with you in it. How many of you would like to be in this new world? I want to be in it. How about you? Uh, I want to be in it. Notice 6. And God said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is the thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. 
Someone says, well, there you go. You got to work your way to heaven. No, the Bible says, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory of him and overcometh even our faith in Jesus Christ. So we overcome by the blood of the lamb, according to Revelation chapter 12. We don't over overcome by our works or our good deeds. We overcome by the blood of the lamb. Now, notice this. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, here it is. But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the all liars shall have their part in the lake of, uh, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is what? The second death. Now, verse 8 is not describing all sins. Verse 8 is describing the sin habits of the lost world. It's not giving all the list of sins, but it's describing the the, the, the habits, the, the overall lifestyle of the world. Fearful, afraid to receive Christ. Fearful, afraid to live for God. Fearful, afraid they'll lose things if they come to Christ. Unbelieving, don't want to believe in God. Abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, meaning in drug addiction and drug abuse and also uh, magic and sorcery and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. People who live a life of lying. Now, the Lord told me late last night, about three in the morning, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to stop right there. And I want you to say to everybody in this room, are you sure that you're ready for the new heaven and the new earth? Ha have you been born again? Have you been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ? Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Hell is a prepared place for an unprepared people. And so my question is, do you know that one day you will live in this new heaven and this new earth because you are not just a physical life trying to get pleasure or trying to get by or trying to go through this world of despair. Do you know that you are a spiritual person, a real spiritual person, a born again? I don't mean spiritual, bless God, I believe in God. You know, I saw a feather come out of the tree, meaning I'm blessed. Well, you're spiritual, but you're also an idiot. Wrong kind of spirit. Being spiritual is being born of the Spirit of God. Being lit by, the, by God's Spirit, for the Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Being lit by the fire of God. And so being spiritual is to be born again, birthed into a new family. New siblings, new brothers and sisters in Christ. New life, new vision, new breath, new strength, new vision, new desires. Have you been born again? See, my question would be this. Do you think you're going to heaven just because you're a pretty good person? Wrong answer. Do you think you're going to heaven because you felt something? Wrong answer. I ate too much bacon one day. I felt something. In fact, I got into mama's refrigerator and I wrote a story about it. I got into a big chocolate bar. It said X-Lax. 
extra strength. I ate it all. And I felt something. I really felt something. I mean, I had the goes all night. But that didn't make me a good little boy. It made me a miserable, bad little boy. But you may be, well, I, I believe in God. That's not good enough. You, you, you sit in this room saying, well, I believe in God. That is not good enough. James says, you believe in God, thou doest well. You believe in one God, thou doest well. But remember, the devil believes there's one God and he trembles. It's not good enough for you to say, well, I believe in God. It's not good enough to say, well, I'm a good person. You have got to personally receive, personally experience the new birth. God has to draw you. God has to convict you. You've got to deal with your sins. You've got to come to Christ. You've got to confess your wrong. You've got to ask God to come in your life. You've got to repent, turn to your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You've got to believe that God expects righteousness out of you. You've got to believe that your sins have separated you from God. You've got to believe that you need a new birth, a new heaven, and a new earth that you can only enjoy by, by a new birth. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ is God's gift for the sins of the world and that Jesus Christ came to earth. You've got to believe that he wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just a good uh, miracle worker. He is God. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And you've got to know that he died on the cross of Calvary for you. He was put in his grave. And he rose again from the grave, proving that he was God. And he rose again from the grave and sent it back to the Father, sit down in the right hand of God. And Jesus Christ says from that throne to John on the Isle of Patmos, Behold, I make all things new. And until God makes you new, you're not going to the new earth and the new heaven. Amen? You say, well, I was made new, but there's things happening. Well, I bought a car new one time, and things happened. So just because you're made new doesn't mean your outward man doesn't perish. Day by day, your outward man perishes. But inside of you, if you've been made new, your inward man or inward woman is renewed every day by the Spirit of God. That's what you've got to have. Amen? So, the Lord told me to say this, and I'm going to say it very clearly. If you don't know that you have been born again, you say, well, I believe in Jesus, I believe he died, I believe he rose again. That's not good enough either. You've got to confess him before men. Well, I do, but that's still not good enough. You've got to experience a touch of God, a change in your life, a birth. And if you haven't received that, I want to encourage you today. We've got several minutes left on the clock before noon. I don't know if you have that long. I don't know if I have that long. But the Lord could come while we're getting ready. But my question would be, if you're not born again, you don't know for sure. I'd like for you to come to the front today. You're not coming to me. You're not coming to, the, to a wooden altar. You're coming to Jesus Christ. And I want to personally... 
I want to personally, the Spirit of God will draw you here, and I want to personally, as your pastor, I want Josh and I together, we'll stand up here, and if you'll come, I want Josh and I together to personally lead you in a prayer, in a walk with God, in a birth that only Jesus Christ can give you. I can't give it to you, Josh can't give it to you, but Jesus can. And I want you to walk out of this building today saying, I'm ready. I'm ready for the rapture. I'm ready for the new heaven and the new earth. I'm ready. I want you to be able to walk out of here and say, I've done what I can do. Now it's left up to God to do what I can't do. You provide the sinner, God provides the Savior. You do what you can do, God will do what you can't do. I'm not going to lead you in a parrot prayer, but I'm going to ask you to come up here and say, today, I am publicly confessing Jesus as my Lord, and I'm turning to Christ as my Savior, and I'm going to receive this birth from God because I feel the Spirit of God today is calling me to do that. Now, I know He is because He told me this morning really early, He will. And if He told me He will, then He is. And this is your lucky day. Actually, this is your blessed day, no luck. This is your blessed day. God's going to make it easy for you if you'll just respond and say, God, I'm going to do what I have to do. Now you say, well, preacher, how do I know I get saved when you come up and I confess the Lord's mother? Well, I'm convinced that if you don't get everything you need, God will get you down with a wash rag, scrub you up on the way home. I'm convinced once you make that decision, God's going to deal with you and bring you to that place of conversion. But this is the starting place. A real heaven, a real earth is coming. And I don't so much like this real earth because it's got too much phony stuff in it. I want to go for the real new earth and new heaven. So we're not going to give a song of invitation. We're just, Josh and I are going to come up here and we're going to give you the chance in the silence to say, I want to make sure. Now, if, you're, if you need healing, this is not for you. We're going to pray for your healing. We can do that later. But if you come up here, it's not for you to get blessed. If you come up here, it is walking up here to say, look, I want to know for sure I'm a child of God. If everybody in this, if everybody in this room stays in their seat, then I'm, you know, my hands are clean. There's no blood on my hands. But we're not going to have any music today. In the altar call, we're just going to put you on a spot and you're going to have to say, okay, I believe the scripture. Whosoever will deny Jesus before men, God will deny him before his Father in heaven. Whoever will confess Jesus before men, God, Jesus will confess him before his Father in heaven. This is your opportunity to say, I personally is making that response to receive Christ. As my Savior. If, you know, this is not an invitation for healing. This is not an invitation for just a blessing. This is an invitation for you, if you're not a Christian or you're not sure about it, to make sure today. Say, so what are you doing? I'm 
I'm doing everything I can in my power to make sure this sweet flock goes to heaven. Doing everything in my power to make sure everybody's ready. I'd be, I'd be, sh- I'd be slacking my doings if I didn't make sure that everybody in this house. And, and you say, well, I went to the altar because I felt something. That's not good enough. You need to know something. You need to know that you specially made that choice and God approved your choice across his desk. That's what it's all about. Amen? And then if you walk out of here this morning without being sure that you're born again, I've done my job as a pastor. Your associate pastor's done his job as an associate pastor. I've done my job. If you leave this building without knowing for sure you're going to heaven, without knowing for sure you've been born again, then I'm free of any judgment against me. It's all on you. So, oh, preacher, you're usually not this, this vocal. Yes, I am. I'm just vocaling something different you ain't heard for a little bit. Oh, preacher, you're putting me on a spot. Not as bad as you'll be if you say no to Jesus Christ. We're going to have an invitation. I want the saints of God in this house to pray. And if you've not been uh, uh, for sure, Josh and I will meet you at this altar, just in the quiet. I want you to pray. And we're going to invite you to come right now. Stand with me. All the saints of God pray. I'm going to come down here, and I'm going to invite you. Josh is going to come up here with me. And we're going to make sure when you leave this building, you have done what you can, and God will do what you can't. Come on, step out right now. Step out right now. Make sure.